is Ronaldo. Oh, my goodness. You don't save those. Out of this world. Messi. 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 Landon Donovan, there are things on here for the USA. Can they do it here? Cross, and Dempsey is denied again, and Donovan has scored! Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA! Certainly through! Oh, it's incredible! You could not write a script like this! For the fourth time, the United States of America are crowned champions of the world. From the international stage to right here at home, this is FUVFC, talking all things soccer on WFUV Sports. Back at home where we belong, in studio. It never gets old saying that. You know, people people forget how many times we recorded sitting behind our laptops this summer, like 12, 15 times, and it's not that fun. I'm going to admit it, it's not that fun, but coming in here, seeing you guys' beautiful faces, hearing your beautiful warm voices talking the beautiful game of soccer. It is very fun. And I've got Gino Alva to my left. I've got Nick Palmer to my right. It's an absolute privilege just to be in studio again. We've got three great guys behind the glass, Griffin, Chris, and Chris. Awesome. All accounted for. And we're talking some soccer today on these New York radio airwaves or wherever you get your podcasts. We're happy to have you along. And it's a big episode because we've got a U.S. roster dropped for these matches against Germany and Ghana, and your boy James Burley is going to be in attendance for the U.S.-Germany game as a beat reporter for WFUV Sports in East Hartford, Connecticut. Really looking forward to that three-hour commute. It's going to be a lot of fun, but the game's going to be fantastic. Really looking forward to that. We've got some UEFA Champions League on the docket, matches yesterday and the Tuesday before that. We've got Major League Soccer, big implications in some matches last night with the New York Red Bulls coming away with a win on the road against the Supporters' Shield winners, FC Cincinnati, and if we got time at the end, I'd like to talk a little bit about the Fordham men's soccer team and what they're doing in college soccer, ranked nationally once again for the first time in a few years. But first, we've got to welcome our esteemed hosts today. Gino, welcome back, my man. I haven't seen you in a couple of weeks. How are you doing? It's been a long time. Yeah, James, thanks for having me here. It's 75 degrees in October. Why? I don't know. Well, we know. We know the reason, but let's not get into that right now. Yeah, but, it, you know, it's back. It's good. it's good to be back here in the studio uh, to talk about all European uh, soccer. Can't wait to get into that Newcastle match for sure. It's, yeah. it's definitely a fun one to watch, but how are you doing, Nick? Well, I, I actually do want to get into why it's 75 degrees. Okay, October. let's do it. It's because MLS is heating up. I was going to oh, say, wow, okay. what is he going to say is heating okay. up right now? I was waiting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, MLS is giving me high blood pressure. Um, it does that. And many other medical issues wow. that I am not at liberty to talk about. And then we um, won't discuss that. We're not going to discuss that. Um, but yeah, MLS is, is really, really stressful. It's a crazy We race. all signed the NDA about your medical issues. We're not going to bring up a single one of those unless, and then if we do, you're entitled to a gr- great cash settlement. So I, I, I will say NYCFC recently has been giving me some chronic depression. That's the one I can get into. All right, well, we can talk about that one, and we're going to get to that in a minute, In a minute, <laughs> yeah. so just we'll let that sit for a minute before we get into some of the more local stuff and what that means for the Eastern Conference playoff race in Major League Soccer, which is, as you mentioned, heating the hell up. Hotter than hell over there. So we've got to discuss what's going on, maybe on a bit of a cooler side in the Atlantic, where they're still 
Yeah, wearing long sleeves when they play, even in August, because it's a cold rainy day in Stoke. So there we go. In the Premier League, should we start with the Premier? No, let's start with your UEFA Champions yeah, League. Yeah, because because yeah. I think yesterday's matches brought forth maybe the most shocking result. You alluded to it, but and then I peeled back the layers of that, and I was thinking these two teams' owners are practically the same, and while one of the teams hasn't gotten maybe as much time to create a powerhouse in European football as the other has really shouldn't surprise us when one giant takes down the other. Notice I said giant, and of course I'm talking about Newcastle United and Paris Saint-Germain. And Newcastle, are like, they're officially a giant. They're, they're uh, formally now a member of what I will call the top seven in England. They've earned that status. You can kick out Spurs if there's no room for them. You can kick out United right now for all that, for all that matters. And then PSG are still PSG, but this is a group stage match that they've blown away. Normally, PSG breezes through the group stage, and then they look pretty tragic in the round of 16 or the quarterfinals when they face a real team. And now they face a real team in the group stages, and they go down, and they go down hard, 4-1 to one at St. James Park. That's, that's awesome, by the way, for Newcastle. I'm very happy for them. Uh, yeah, they kind of cut corners with their ownership. You can say what you will about that, but for a team that was once a powerhouse of English football and then wasn't for so long taxiing between the championship and the premiership and is now firmly in European football and knocking down one of the biggest teams in Europe for a team as historic and as passionate as their fan base is. This is awesome for the city of Newcastle. They haven't been in the Champions League since 2003, the last time they faced Barcelona, Inter Milan, and Bayer Leverkusen. I just think what, <laughs> what a group. What a group, right? <laughs> <laughs> like insane. What I saw at you know on the match, obviously, it was like it was an actual Champions League football match. The St. St. James's Park was crazy. Have you guys seen that movie Goal? Yeah. It was, oh, oh my! By Santiago. I forgot. Santiago Munez. Come yeah. on. Classic movie. Classic. I felt like I was watching that type of like atmosphere. It was electric. You know, Newcastle over the years they've been playing Championship football a couple years ago, but Rafa Benitez sent them up to promotion. Played really good football for a couple of uh, uh, Premier League seasons. And then obviously last year we saw them breeze through the League Cup final. Obviously they couldn't win it against Man United. But they've been a really good team the last couple of months. Um, even from going back to last season, they finished top four. Uh, I just seeing the match, Mbappe's there in Newcastle. I just like Paris just fell apart. They were defending really well being getting in the first half, but then they just fell apart completely. Newcastle was taking over the match. Uh it, I just want to give a shout out to Almiron because what he did in the first yeah. first goal, obviously a deflection, but he got the first goal in with the tap in. It was not even a tap in, but it was just like a good shot to get the goal in, and it completely changed the game. Newcastle was going, you know, goal after goal after goal. Burning did a crazy goal, and is it Longstaff who's the local lad from Newcastle or is mm-hmm. great? Sean Longstaff, amazing. I mean, and 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 the last goal um from uh. Char, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, yeah. Fabian Share. Fabian Share, icing on the cake. I thought that was a classic, a really good Newcastle United match. I just want to see if they can get it sent to the knockouts. We saw how Leicester did a couple of years ago when they went to the quarterfinals. But if Newcastle can somewhat get to the knockouts, get to the quarterfinals, they can possibly you know win their way up to even a semifinal. But 
what we saw there completely changes their perspective and their mentality when it comes to the Premier League season now because now they can play a lot of good games and knowing that they can beat PSG and Bappe's PSG, uh, they definitely have a long route to go. But it was very surprising to see the scoreline, a 4-1 scoreline against Paris Saint-Germain. This is Mbappe's PSG and Mbappe's no one PSG. else's <laughs> yeah. PSG. Anymore. Um, Paris Saint-Germain. Um, I don't know French. Man, Clearly. let's talk about this team for a second because we talked about how fantastic Newcastle looked. Okay. Let's talk about how bad PSG has been this year because they've been struggling in the league that they practically own. No one else should win that league besides PSG. Um, they've lost five of seven against English teams recently, and they did not get a single shot on goal in the first half, which is the first time this has happened in the Champions League for PSG since 2013. A long time. It's a long time. It's a long time for this team that, frankly, is out of answers. I thought Donnarumma didn't actually look terrible. He should have stopped maybe one of those goals, um, especially the one from Longstaff, I I I would argue there. But I thought he made some pretty good goals. And um, Nick Pope for uh, Newcastle made a couple great saves. He wasn't forced to make a lot of them, especially, obviously, in the first half. But uh, that one from Dembele... Very nice save. So well done, Nick Pope. You outbeat uh, Donnarumma, and PSG <laughs> looks terrible, and I'm so happy. I don't. I don't think anybody outside of Paris is upset that PSG doesn't look good. Uh, I want to speak about the comparison to Leicester. That's so interesting to me. Yeah. Because what Leicester did was completely shocking. Flipped the script. Thought if they were going to be relegated, won the league, and then went to Europe, got out of the group, and then looked promising in the knockouts as yeah. well. And Newcastle has the opportunity to do something like that. But for me, the difference is it's not a surprise. And and even though it's a re-entry of sorts for Newcastle, Leicester, we can clearly see, that was a one-off thing. They're in the championship right now. And look, their roster does not belong in the championship. They are absolutely playing some great soccer against a lot of teams that are not great soccer teams. But I look at the midfield specifically that Newcastle has. Tonali, Guimash, and, and Jolinton. Mm-hmm. That's miles ahead of what uh, Leicester City were able to put up when they went to the Champions League, because you remember their star boy in the midfield, N'Golo Kante, who won them the league in 2016, went off to Chelsea that summer. So their midfield in Europe was Mark Albrighton and Danny Drinkwater, which is solid, but you don't expect that to get out of a group at the Champions League, and they still did. Uh, And the reason that I want to clarify that is because that's how special that run from Leicester was and how we're never going to see something like that ever again, especially because more teams are Newcastling their way into the Champions League Mm. by spending lots of money with their new owners. Love that as a verb, Newcastle. And well, look, they're not, they're hardly the first to do it. So maybe I should say PSGing or or, or Chelseaing or or Man Citying or or, or whatever it is because the fact of the matter is that's going to make it harder for the Leicesters of the world to find the Champions League again. And that's why when they had the whole Super League thing during COVID, it was really important that everybody stood against it. Uh, And I think we're getting further and further away of opportunities like a Leicester going on a run. But that doesn't mean, and this is going to be one of the worst segues ever, because we're going to go to Tuesday, because honestly, not not other other than PSG Newcastle, I wasn't really shocked by anything else on Wednesday. Because Barca, even with 10 men, beat Porto, red card was late. But on Tuesday, we had a few shocking results it does just because there's the doors closing on the Leicesters of the world to reemerge at the Champions that was the point I made a second ago I remember now doesn't mean a team like Lens can't defeat Arsenal doesn't mean a team like Galatasaray can go to Old Trafford and get points against Manchester United 
And doesn't mean a team like Sociedad, who probably on paper is better than Salzburg, can go to an incredibly difficult pace to play and make Gerhard Struber, the manager, look like the buffoon he is when they lose at home in the Champions League 2-0. So, and also, Braga going on the road to, to Berlin and getting a, a result? Ridiculous. No one had that coming. So I thought Tuesday had a, a, a smattering of results that you would not have expected. Uh, even if some, when you're looking back, yeah, why did I think United were going to beat Galatasaray? I don't know why I thought that. But the Real Madrid-Napoli game as well stood out because that third goal from Fede Valverde that was eventually ruled an own goal was a, a absolute screamer. That was like a Roberto Carlos type free kick oh, goal. Yeah. It yeah, was he just, just like yeah. he like the way he like kicks it it's like a rocket. And the oh, way yeah. the way the ball traveled yeah. unpredictable, not fair to the goalkeeper bounce back off of him after hitting the bar. That happens. Not going to blame him and Napoli played a terrific match as well. That was I would say the best match of the window for sure. Um and then the United Galatasaray game, certainly exciting. I guess we have to start there. Okay. Because we have to. Okay. I'll go to you first, Nick, on this. When you're, st- I don't know if you caught the whole match of this one. I saw the highlights. <sighs> Just. No, that's correct. We got to start with Onana. Like I can't. I don't want to start the conversation in goal, but it has to. When it's look, that the pass that led to the penalty that Casemiro he has to make the challenge. It's a red card. They get gifted a chance. The penalty. With the penalty, they get gifted a chance back into the game. Or at least they're at 10 men at that point. Just get a draw. And then four minutes later, they're completely caught out of position, and it's the easiest goal ever that they concede. But, oh, nah, 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 nah. That has not been great. Uh, I've been a big fan of his because I've always thought he was underrated before he came to Manchester United, and now I I think the pressure might be mounting to him in a Kepa Arisa Balaga manner. And I never want to wish that on anybody but it's hurting Manchester United more than it's more than it's helping right now this is not this is not the first game nor do I think it'll be the last that this will happen to Andre Onana I I mean this has been happening kind of all month for him Um, it's just kind of mistake after mistake I don't know if he's like buttering up his gloves before every single game (laughs) or something he he needs to take a deep breath I think maybe a game off would do him some good uh, but how about Mario Cardi, who absolutely whiffs this penalty? I mean, I mean, this is he, he drilled it so wide, and then he comes back nine minutes later and uh, sends them up to now Galatasaray <laughs> second in the group. It was a great goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and United is left pointless. I, I don't. I don't. The club is pointless. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna let. Yes. Wax poetic, please. <laughs> yes. You have the floor. I just, for me, there's a lot of familiar faces in Gal's House Race squad that I f- completely forgot are there. Cardi, I didn't, I forgot Cardi was there. Yeah. Zaha, Man United <laughs> Adam. is scared of Zaha. Davidson Sanchez is there. A lot of former Premier League players. Again, I think I've said this so many times on the pod talking about Man United for the past year. There, I don't see no solution happening. There's a lot of obviously questions turning towards Ayrton Hogg and his managerial status. We talked about it before. Always give him time. You know, he's, what he had to go through last year. He got a trophy last year, but, you know, the competition he was eliminated from last year. I don't think it, it's uh, a need of new players. They've got enough players that they signed this season. Obviously, there's a lot of bad luck on the transfer, on the injury side. Man United doesn't have a left back. All three are out. It's just, I just don't understand what's happening. It's like it's it's like getting worse every year. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of talented players on this squad, but then again, it's not a team that so, so many individuals 
that can't perform as a team. You saw in the first week in the Premier League, and now we saw it here. I, I mean, shout out to uh, to Hoyon. I mean, scored two great goals. Breakthrough. He always wants to play for Man United, and to have that big moment at Old Trafford on a Champions League night, to have those two goals, great. But for Man United, and this goes to you know other teams as well. Some for some reason, when they score a goal, the other team responds quickly, and they get scored a goal conceded so quickly. It makes no sense. It's just like they got they scored the goal. Hooray! Let's keep playing. Drop park the bus. They get scored on. And then all the vibes are down, and they're getting it pressured and pressured throughout the whole entire match. Credit to Galatasaray. A lot of familiar faces got the job done. Cardio was amazing. Um, you know, at this point, for Man United fans, is it do they want to go to Europa League and and play that competition? Because now they're last. They're not even going to play a European competition when it comes to the next three matches. They play um, FC Copenhagen. Uh, uh, was it Copenhagen or is it uh, Copenhagen? Copenhagen. Copenhagen. <laughs> home and away then they go against the Calatas right and they finish off at Munich uh, uh, against Bayern Munich tough yeah it's, it's like it's like they're, they're out of the competition and if they somewhat get Europa League there's no promise there if they're going to win the Europa League too not at all not at all so it's troubling times they're 10th in the Premier League it's just not a good place to be at and Eric Tenahog is getting criticized even more every time he's in the presser is uh, it him though it's tough to say Give him time. It's his second season, but, you know, we're going to have to wait what happens maybe by January. Let's see where Man United are in the in the league. But, you know, somewhat every week they're not getting goals and they're not just playing really well. So we're going to have to wait and see about that. Not to make this episode all about Manchester United, but there was more of the same on the weekend for them as well when they lost to Crystal Palace. And that was very disheartening and probably even – Probably, if not for this one being a Champions League match, probably would have rubbed fans the wrong way just a bit more, yeah. you know. But this one coming at home against Galatasaray in the Champions League is really bad. And I, I, I want to think about Manchester United and, and the club that they've been for the last 10 years. And I think about other teams around them in, in the Premier League alone that have, you know, gone from being bad for several years and then reemerge as good again and I'm talking about teams that are within the top six Liverpool did it was terrible for the majority of the 2010s and then in the latter half of the 2010s they win a Champions League they win a Premier League for the first time in 30 years and Arsenal terrible for a very long time now they're one of the giants in the Premier League but now it's been united for 10 years where they haven't really reemerged in that top group and I can't point to now the many managers who have come and gone and the players who have come and gone and the strategies of spending money and not spending money and using youth players. The problem is so very clearly the people at the top. And it's so very clearly how the club is run because other clubs have done what they're trying to do successfully in the past 10 years. And it's been 10 years now. And look, they win an FA Cup here. They win a League Cup there. They qualify for the Champions League. They win one tie against PSG in the Champions League, and everyone mm-hmm. thinks it's trending in the right direction. But they're just kind of relying on individual talent to give them moments here and there. And they're a good enough team to get by, but they're not great. And then and they don't they don't feel like they they belong uh, in the Champions League, and they don't feel like they belong uh, uh, in the running to win the Premier League. So for me right now, it's like. Are they even really worth watching that much if everyone at this club is going through the motions with the exception of a handful of players? It's not it's not worth watching. They're they can't score goals. 
it's the, the hardest thing to do is score a goal. And they're professionals, and they can't just easily score a goal. Man City's won the Champions League. Liverpool's won the Champions League. Chelsea's won the Champions League. Top teams have won the Champions League in the past five years. And Man United hasn't even gone to a final since 2011. They haven't been to a semifinal since, since this 2011, 2011 either. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, Arsenal are on the brink of, like, you know, they can get to a semifinal. They can get to a final and win it. You know, they have that sort of team. Spurs were in a Spurs final. Spurs were in a final. <laughs> Spurs were in a final. Harry Kane's Spurs were in a final. And Man United wasn't in a final. Yeah. A lot of managers went and go. Jose Mourinho also said, you know, I wanted these type of players. Ole spoke out a couple of weeks ago, gave an interview saying he wanted Holland. He wanted uh, uh, Cody Gakpo, but couldn't get him because the higher people there just didn't want to spend money. But, but, but like we... Sp- but United still spend so much money on players who they still do. don't deserve exactly. it. I'm like, so why do you apply the same strategy? There's players you want to get, and you're like, well, we can't get them, but we can uh, we can spend the money we would have spent for Manager, them on yeah. players who are worse. Managers want that these type of players. Make sense. Managers want these players, and they don't get the players, but the club gets the players they want to get. So at this point, who who's making those decisions? Woodward was also a topic of you know discussion a couple of years ago, and then you know sort of he kind of stepped down, but now it's just. Who's making those decisions to get these type of players? We got Mason Mount for some reason. <laughs> for some so. reason, I, I like I don't want to. Cl- it's not an American sports. Um, what's the word? Like rebuild? Yeah. yeah, like I, I, I like, want to say, yeah. you can't really do that in this sport because there are punishments for losing really badly, and especially for a team like United, you have a status to maintain. You can't afford to just have a down year. So the rebuild. The Arsenal, Liverpool, Manchester United, Chelsea rebuilds. Uh, I don't know if there's a proper word for it. Restructuring, maybe. They look very different than we're used to seeing in American sports. And the reason for that is obviously the financial structures of the league. But that means Manchester United have kind of just been putting band-aids over a crack in the wall for the past 10 years. And they've been doing it wrong. And if they continue the same course that they have been, which no arrows are pointing to any other direction, they're going to continue to be you know, on the cusp of great, but only be sort of good. And, and in a sense, for Manchester United standard, that's far below mediocre. So that's not not an acceptable standard for this club. And they've been maintaining that standard ever since Sir Alex Ferguson left. And I know I'm beating a dead horse, uh, but I think it's important that we remind ourselves that, that that is the issue and not, you know, the last tweet you read about Harry Maguire or whatever. Um, but that that concludes all we'll talk about Manchester United for the rest of the day. And I said day, not just podcast, because I advise you, all of our listeners, to just avoid the club. Take a break for the rest of the day. If <laughs> Take you a could. break if you could. Take that a couple be, month long break. That would be really good if you could do that. Reflect. Elsewhere on Tuesday in the Champions League. Yes, this was still about the Champions League. We had some crackers of a match. That Arsenal, who I was just singing a lot of praise, also <laughs> lost yeah, yeah. to to Lens. Um, that one I was not expecting. At all. And I was very impressed at the end of the cohesive way that Lens was able to close out that match because that was chaotic and hectic. Um, Nick, if you want to jump in. I want to give you a crazy Lens stat. Wow. Do it. This is this is a new segment. Crazy Lens stats By Nick. from Nick Palmer. Lens has scored once in each of their last 33 home games in Europe. And when did that start? In 1998 against Arsenal. Wow. And it continues <laughs> They've barely now. been in Europe. If they're playing 33, 33 games over 25 over years. 25 years. And, yeah. Yeah. and that streak, than... that goal streak wow. started against Arsenal in 1998, and they've continued it on well, Tuesday. I mean, football. look, look, you, the posi- look, just read the stats from the match. Possession 67 to 33. They had the ball 
twice the amount of time, literally, than the other, than their yeah. opponents had. But the shots were pretty level. Shots on target were in Arsenal's favor. But Lens with their home crowd behind them, uh, and they actually overcame the deficit. Eliwahi scored the winner in the 69th minute, but they were down 1-0 after like 15. So for them to come back and win... I don't think they're going to end up finishing top of the group. I think Arsenal will ultimately take that mantle and go on. But that's an incredible result. And I think it's one that Arsenal can actually afford to lose. So it's one where you tip your cap. Um, hopefully it's not too little too late for them. Saka also was injured in that match, taken out. So yeah. could be a, that could be yeah, a what do you think problem what do you think about Saka? Like, if he's, not playing at, for if he's not playing for a while... That could be a huge problem for Arsenal in Arsenal terms of scoring goals. Arsenal plays Manchester City next in the Premier League ah. you know, without a Saka and... This could be bad if because I know there's a lot of European competition games coming up. So for Saka not being there, definitely the heartbeat of that Arsenal squad. It's going to be difficult to see what happens. I don't think he's. Uh, I don't think it's a major injury, but there hasn't been any news uh, out yet. So elsewhere in that group, PSV and Sevilla drew, which was actually mm-hmm. kind for Arsenal to sacrifice them some points so they didn't fall to third or perhaps fourth. But I think that's just about all the interesting results we had in the Champions League. For this window, Dortmund and Milan, nil-nil draw. Gio Reyna didn't get off the bench for Dortmund as he hasn't for several games in a row. Pulisic uh, didn't look great. And then Lazio on the road getting the win in Scotland over Celtic. Um, But I think that's just about where we're at for the Champions League. We're going to find out more when the windows come back. But I think so far, without with the exception of Manchester United and Arsenal, just about every big team sees themselves where they want to be. And I'll put PSG in that rope too. But shouldn't be a surprise that they lost to Newcastle. And, and that's the hill I'll die on for the Geordies. Moving in to the Premier League, though. Mm. We, we're we done with United. We're not doing it. City, though, who are playing this weekend against Arsenal. Big matchup on the past weekend that I'm sure you don't really want to talk about. But that is a big, big moment for Wolverhampton Wanderers. I am a Wolverhampton supporter. Shout out Alex Wolves, by the way. <laughs> Alex Wolves. Alex yes. Wolves. Oh, I miss Alex Wolves. Um, yeah, I, I, Wolverhampton's my second favorite really? uh, Prem team after City, of course. So, yeah, it stung. Yeah, I have some concerns, especially after they dropped that EFL game to Newcastle. They had dropped two in a row. But then they came back. They came to Leipzig um, and on just absolutely on the road, demolished them. I, I do. I know we, we moved on from Champions League, but that Alvarez goal, I, did you guys see it? I did see it. And oh. can I can I say one thing? This yeah. is going to be exciting. This is this is for you, what I'm oh. about to say. Oh, this is for me. This is for you. <laughs> A team owned by City Football Group went on the road to Red Bull Arena and won. <laughs> so there you go. Are you done? That's it. That's oh, all okay. I have for oh, Okay, you're done. Um, yeah, no, I thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh yeah, I'm 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 okay. I would I look back at the month of September for City. They started out well, dropped a couple games they probably shouldn't have dropped. I give them a 5 out of 10 for September. October, I'm looking for them to pick it up a little bit. Obviously, you're KDB-less and when you don't have the best the best passer of our generation. Say the best midfielder in the world, you could say. The best midfielder There's, in the world. Say it. Uh, There's several titles. <laughs> There's several titles. Uh best passer of a generation. Um the loveliest guy. Uh, great father. Any, anyway, a <laughs> lot of adjectives. A <laughs> lot, yeah, lot wow. of adjectives to describe this guy. Anyway, when you're missing great him, father. you're gonna struggle a lot. Um, it just depends because Pep. My one gripe with Pep Guardiola, and it's very hard to find a lot of them, is that he does not have a lot of depth. He doesn't like to have a lot of depth on his squad. I mean, the guy puts 16 guys out there and doesn't really change it up, which is fine when you have some of the most elite players in the field but when these injuries come up 
you know, you start to have some questions. Uh, but yeah, I was happy with City. I'm going to be happy with City. And now going into this game. Yeah, I, going, I, going into to City versus Arsenal, how do you feel about this squad so far? I mean, no, no Saka. So. No Saka. Saka-less. Saka-less. But Saka-less. it's on the road. It's in North London. It is in North London. Uh, City does tend to struggle a little bit on the road. Compa- well, I don't want to say they struggle because they win almost every game they play. But uh, they're, they're obviously so comfortable in the Etihad. And so when you're not in the Etihad, especially against Arsenal, Arsenal looks good. Because uh, you remember earlier this summer, um, they were talking to City about Cancelo. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now... You know, Jesus is now uh, a gunner. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zinchenko. Zinchenko. Zinchenko is also a gunner. And, man, that, that costs about, like, 90 million pounds. But that does mean that Arteta is trying to get this team to go somewhere. And now I'm a little bit worried about Arsenal. So, Saka, missing him might mean Ar- that City will win this. But Arsenal is a total threat to City now, and I'm they a little scared. They have a good scared. midfield depth. Yes. Different from last season with the addition of, uh, uh, what's his name, James Madison? Mm-hmm. So, well, James, yes. James Madison's Spurs. You mean Jorginho? No, who is the, yeah, no, no, no. There was another, uh, wow, he's on the tip of my tongue. I just can't remember. But I think it's, uh, he, wow, I'm forgetting the player that plays for Arsenal. He just acquired. He played for an English team. Whoa, I'm blanking out. Anyway, Declan, well, Rice? Well, well, Declan Rice. Declan, Declan Rice. Rice. I was, Declan I was thinking Declan Rice. purely attacking the No, I was, yeah, yeah. I was like, Declan Rice from West Ham. Mm. He before won, he won the Conference League last year, yeah. Kai Havertz. Before we give Arsenal too much and credit, Kai Havertz. <laughs> they've lost their last twelve games against City. I know, but I'm saying this with this true. Arsenal new midfield, I feel like they're be- they have a better squad than last year. Obviously, they got second place last year, so hopefully, let's see. It could be a good game against City at the at the, at the uh, Emirates. I can't I can't speak English, <laughs> so uh, it's gonna be a interesting uh, interesting game for sure. It- and the lack of Bukayo Saka could be a detriment to Arsenal, or it could open up the window for a Trossard. Rodri suspended as well. Or, 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 well, there you go. Or Niketia. I feel like Edmonds is going to be as loud as possible without the presence. Or Emile Smith-Rowe, maybe. Yeah, without there's the presence a, of Saka. There's, a, there's yeah. a lot of names for Arsenal that could, could that could come in and do a job. I think missing Rodri in the middle, it's going to mean more responsibility for guys like, like Kovacic, perhaps, to, mm. to do a lot of work mm. defensively. And I, I, I think, look... Th- we all know Manchester City are, are more than capable uh, of playing with players out of their lineup. They've done it before. They've won Champions Leagues like that before. And I think Arsenal are going to have the bigger task of trying to replace Bukayo Saka. If they can do that, sure. though, this game, I think, this will be our, and this will be our prediction for the day. I think this game's got 2-2 draw written all over it. It'll be a shootout. I That's think it's going to be a shootout. About. Yeah. Uh, and I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if one team steals it late 3-2. But I'm going to go a 2-2 shootout, and I think Gabriel Jesus is going to score against his former club. Mm. And I think – I won't hmm, – I don't know who I'll say will score for City. I mean, I, I, want, I want to say a center back to score for City. Oh, a header? Yeah. Who do you but have? I, 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 I don't know who I have is the thing. I'm just going to say it's a 2-2 draw, but I just don't know who is going to score the goals. I think it's going to be just a crazy game, so like – who knows who's going to score the goals? But I'm gonna say a two-two draw. I hope it's a crazy wide it, open it, it game. It should be. A, it should be. Hmm. You know, give me Stones header. Really? Oh, yeah. okay. That'll light up All the right. place. That's fine. Um, I, I do want to quickly touch on Jeremy Doku because mm-hmm. he's been he a spectacle. Has, oh, he has been a spectacle. I mean, this guy is so fast on the wing. He's great. This is um, 
man, he's 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 here till 2028. And I'm so excited for what he can do because this has been the first year where he's really sort of stepped it up a notch. So big up to you, Jeremy Doku, big Doku guy. Been a, he's been a surprise, but he's been a welcome one. I think mm. a lot of people are rooting for Jeremy Doku, mm. too, because of that. Um, yeah, I've been really excited uh, with the way he's been just like so like I, the, now that's the surprise that I think is very welcome, even though he plays for a team I don't really like. But he does a lot of things that I think are really admirable in a footballer, the way he just gets down and works for goals, oh, but yeah. then makes them look spectacular in the process. He just looks like he's having fun, and I love nothing more than that. Well, actually, what I love more than everything in the world is international football. And we're re-welcoming international football to the East Coast for the first time in like a little while, at least because, or when the U.S. play, because we haven't seen the U.S. in this area. No. Not, not since, I think, 2019, MetLife hosted a U.S.-Mexico oh. friendly, okay, and we okay. lost 3-0. I was not there. And now Gio Reyna's back. And now Gio Reyna's back. Gio Reyna, yeah. I mean... Wow. Is that is an important question? Though. I'm glad we started there because we're gonna look at the U.S. roster that's out for these games against Germany and Ghana. Very briefly, we're just gonna touch on who do we like, what we don't like, who's there, who's not there. Um, most everyone's there, and yeah. that's that's exciting. And you know who else is there? Is Greg Berhalter for his second time back uh, as the uh, manager, his, his second window since returning, and Gio Reyna is back with him. Crazy. The only thing is we don't know what role Gio Reyna is going to play in this window because he hasn't played any soccer since June when the U.S. played Canada in the Nations League. He went out injured during that game, uh, was a big part of it, had two assists to a 2-0 victory, but has been injured all summer, has been on the bench unused the last four matches for Borussia Dortmund. He's healthy enough to be rostered. He's rostered for the U.S., but he hasn't seen any game time, and I'm not sure he's going to see any against Germany. Maybe they ease him in against Ghana. Maybe they ease him in off the bench against Germany. He's going to be familiar with some of those players playing his football club at the club level in Germany. So he's a player that, yes, I'm excited to have him back, but I'm still – I don't know if we're going to find closure on the whole issue oh, no. I think like, because I don't think he's just going to play that much, and I don't think it's going to be warranted. Is it per- is it personal? I don't believe – I see, that's the thing. Now this welcome like putting him in the win in the team you have to because if he's not in the team everyone's gonna be like hey where, where, where's Gio Reyna and then if you put him in the team and he's not ready to play and you play him and you hurt him and he further sets back his progress that's really bad that's the worst case scenario or if you don't play him that much everybody's just gonna say hey, why didn't Gio Reyna play that much so it puts Greg Berhalter in a really awkward position in a position he's already been put in for a while. Um, I hope it doesn't come down to that. Let's hope that Gio Reyna is perfectly healthy, can play at least a little bit this uh, coming weeks, and can showcase his skills and help us, you know, take a step in the right direction towards this next four-year cycle that we're going on. Because we've got Nations League qualifiers and Copa America qualify or Nations League matches and Copa America qualifiers later this fall and into the spring. And while we're hosting the Copa America. We definitely want to be playing in it. So that is, those are important to uh, win and important to play good soccer ahead of. And these are good teams, Germany and Ghana. They're not Uzbekistan and Oman. This no. is an improvement in quality definitely of the opposition. Yeah. And I'm looking at the roster, and I really like the guys on this thing. I'll start with you, Nick. Who's any player, any one thing you want to talk about about this U.S. window? Well, I want to talk about why Reyna should play okay. and why it's important from a leadership perspective. There you go. Because Tyler Adams is still out. Correct. Um, he won't come back. Not uh, for a while. Right, not for a while, because he hasn't played since, like, March or something. God. So Get that's, well soon, Tyler. That's, yeah, for real. 
Um, but that's why Reyna is so important, and that that's why you need some of that experience there. Um, yeah, that that's just what I wanted to talk I, about. And you know, I, I think that's an important one because not only does Tyler Adams not bring his, you know, presence and his his captaincy and his leadership to the locker room, but he's also a glaring hole in the number six position mm-hmm. in central midfield. And a lot of the uh, discussions that have been, how do we apply, replace a Tyler Adams in that position? Well, really, you have to move someone else into that role because we don't have a natural six who's who's quite as good. Um, Leonard Maloney has looked really good in the Bundesliga this year as a central midfielder, so I'm happy he's there, and I hope he gets some minutes in that role. But Yunus Musa has been playing deep for AC Milan in the Champions League. So Yunus Musa can come underneath and play in that six role, and you know who that opens the door for in central midfield to play in a more attacking role? His name is Gio Reyna. And then that puts together, while I love Tyler Adams, he's my favorite player in the world, and I believe he should be the captain and should be playing six for the U.S. men's national team, a midfield of Musa, McKenney, and Reyna, that's tasty, man. I really it's love tasty. that. Tasty. That is, that is, you cover just about every aspect of the game you need. You have McKenney's long runs up and down. He can play the long ball, elevate players in behind. He can stretch the back line with his runs and his height. Eunice Musa, creative, clever, will hold possession, will advance the ball five feet, bring it back five, and then keep it moving. And then you've got Gio Reyna, who's going to unlock and pick the lock of defenses in the final third. Wow. So I really think you have a well rounded group there. But if Gio Reyna is not ready for that this weekend, I don't think we're going to get to see it. But it would be great if we could against the likes of Germany and Ghana. Uh, another player who is not on this uh, roster who normally would be penciled in starter, actually I would write in pen, is Anthony Robinson, still dealing with injury in Fulham. But his teammate, Tim Ream, is going to be around. And the center backs, Cameron Carter-Vickers, Tim Ream, Miles Robinson, and Chris Richards, that's a solid group of four right there. And I think it's good that they've established a group of four with this. My concern with no Tyler Adams is that, okay, so who do you have to replace him? You have Johnny Cardoso and you have Leonard Leonard Maloney. Maloney. They play very differently than Tyler Adams. Mm -hmm. So you might be needing to look for a switch of formation quite possibly. And that's not something that Greg Berhalter that's is going to do. That's something Berhalter wants no. to do. So that 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 irks me just a little bit. Anywhere you want to jump in, Gino, on yeah. any player on the roster. Well, I just go back to Giorena. I mean, I remember on 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 the pod, we've talked so like we lived through like the drama. We, yeah, we, we, we talked about the be- it. we we organized our episodes just based on when the yeah. developments came out. We were like, okay, so, so yeah. wait, so his his mom and dad did what? <laughs> we got to get in the studio. World Cup ended. Obviously, we're like, talked. Greg, Greg, it's like, oh, Greg was leaking stuff. And then we're like, okay, so Greg didn't leak it. Yeah. Okay, so then, w- wait, what What did his dad so do? We were, living, we're glorified we were, TMZ. We were, we were living through that whole entire drama for at least three months, talking about the timeline of sort of events that came out through the leak. Next thing you know, obviously, it showed it was Giorino's mother got involved, the father got involved, they both left her, you know, organizations, whatever. I just find it fascinating how it's almost, it's, it's about to be a year since like that whole drama oh happened. Oh my god, time and flies, man. We're obviously back in a position where this is Berhalter's first match back. Gio Reno's in the squad. My obvious, like my interest is, yeah, the press conference, the pressers, like they're all going to ask him about Gio Reno. So and they did today. They happened today. It's going to happen. I don't know if you saw no, any of the clips, but it's going to happen for the next couple of matches until we get to Copa time. So I can I can report to you guys because I that's what I was doing before I got here. I was watching okay. uh, the press conference and. He has had those conversations with Gio. They met over Zoom, I think he said. Interesting. So impersonal. Personally, he says says they're moving past it and things are going well. And you know what? 
all the other players are like, it was a non-issue in our locker room. It's something we addressed during the World Cup. We dealt with it. And I think Gio Reyna's parents just blew it out of proportion. And it became a whole thing just because the way people responded to it. And I don't think it's affected the players themselves that much, which I think is the best thing about the whole story. Okay, but what else are you going to say? You can't say that it is affecting you. The thing is, though, they could they could have in the time where Greg Berhalter was no longer the coach. And no one did. And then Good he point. came back and was the coach because yeah. a lot of the players said, I liked him to be the coach. And Matt Turner revealed that when he was interviewed by CBS Sports Golasso team. Right. I, mean, I don't know if you saw the entire thing, but there was a clip where he was saying that, yeah, uh, the upper uppers at U.S. soccer involved some of the senior players in the national team in those conversations mm-hmm. saying, trying to get a better picture of what it's like playing under Greg. And Clint Dempsey actually uh, responded with like an interesting bit uh, about after the 2016 Copa America Okay. Uh, Sunil Gulati, the then president of U.S. Soccer, called him and asked about how he feels Jurgen Klinsmann's doing in the job. And Dempsey said he never liked being put in those positions because what if he says something that gets Jurgen Klinsmann extended mm. and then the team's terrible? And then Clint Dempsey's blamed for that. But that's not his job. His job's just to score goals. Yeah. Uh, what if he says something bad about Jurgen Klinsmann and then Jurgen Klinsmann gets fired and the next manager's terrible? You know what? So it's not his job. So it's not his job, and it puts him in unfair position. So we can't necessarily trust what the players are saying 100 percent but it can give us a sense of where maybe they're leaning Uh, i really thought dempsey's answer was interesting because then he was just be like yeah things are good bye i don't want to talk and that's and that's how it would be i i think you know these two matches obviously very uh germany uh, flick uh flick got uh sacked i think last month yeah very recently so uh nigglesman is obviously the new manager new era for germany uh uh football team uh usa versus ghana I'll never forget that 2014 match. I'll never forget 2010 or 2006 either, man. You know, gosh, the 2014 John Brooks header, I think it's just something I'll never forget watching. I think everybody knows where they were when it happened and how it happened. It was just every time I see USA versus Ghana, it just reminds me of the World Cup. John Brooks. Yeah. So, yeah. And I miss the ESPN hosting uh, the World Cup. Ian Dark, uh, his voice. Great, great. But yeah, I think this. USA team, obviously, we're getting closer to Nations League qualifying. They want to get to the Copa America. It's being hosted here. Uh, it's going to be a, a very exciting summer for sure for international football. We're going to have seen a lot of uh, Copa America matches here. Uh, I'm just, I can't wait to see those pressers with Burr Halter and all the reporters asking him about Giorreta because we lived through that whole entire thing. We've talked about it. So it's definitely interesting. Well, look, only two MLS players on the entire roster in Dewan Jones of the New England Revolution and Miles Robinson of Atlanta United. The rest of the team, really strong. I yeah. love this team. I love this roster. Christopher Lund gets back in for his second call-up. Uh, Malik Tillman is back. He did well to draw a penalty in the Champions League this uh, two days ago. So, And Ricardo Pepe, who's also playing in the Champions League. So we've got a lot of great players on this team, and I'm really excited because we've got good opponents ahead of us and that's all the U.S. can ask for when they're playing friendlies is to just not have it be against teams who have players I've never heard of before because it'd be great if we played good teams more often because we don't always do that in this part of the world. But I digress because we're going to talk about more football in this part of the world, particularly club football in this tar- part of the world. And in Cincinnati last night, a group of 11 ragtag individuals who play their <laughs> ply their trade in North Jersey, go into the champion's house, the house of the champions, minutes before their trophy-lifting celebration and say, not tonight. (laughs) Man, they came out so strong. I can't can't believe it because they came out out like they come out every single game. They look the better team. 
but this time they actually scored before halftime. They actually put the ball in the back of the net with two really nice goals. Shocking. Both coming, starting from the wing, entering the middle, and Frankie Amaya with a great strike. He's been so good all year, and he continues to do that, but finally he gets back on the score sheet, and when he's on the score sheet, things go right for this team, it feels like. And then Elias Manuel, who can finally redirect a shot on goal, and he actually scored, I don't know if you saw, he scored a third one. It was 3-0 Red Bulls later in the half, but they called back the goal and went to the other end to VAR review a handball and then that took away the Red Bulls 3-0 lead and gave Cincy a penalty to make it 2-1. All right, you still won. The game right. was I'm this is me talking about the game was remarkable. <laughs> but and Elias Manuel is the best player at scoring goals that don't count. I swear to god, this guy always scores when he's offside, something like that. But he finally showed up, scored a big big goal and now I can't believe they 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 pull me back in, you know. A couple of weeks ago, we were on the pod, and you were like, "New York City and Rebels." I don't think they're not making it. I don't. I, I that is what you they said. They shouldn't. They shouldn't. They shouldn't. Neither You're of right. these teams are good You're enough right. to deserve to play in the postseason. And somehow there's a race. <sighs> somehow there's a race. Be, there, look, there's a chance. This league is so <laughs> unforgiving with teams at the bottom. Inner Miami have been in the basement of the league all year. They still yep. have a chance. Charlotte City rigged. and the Red Bulls. Neither team are good. They both have a chance. Uh, like Chicago are right now the favorite of the teams in the race to c- get in the playoffs. They're terrible. They're not a good team. They, they just beat the Red Bulls one on the road, but they're not good. They were bad last year, too. Yeah, they've not been that good for a very long time. Not yeah. for not since they had um, uh, Nikolic as their striker and Dax McCarty and Schweinsteiger and wow. Nico Gaetan. So that's like five, that's like five 20... years. It's like five years. Yeah. It's like five, six years. I like that they got to celebrate the Supporter Shield win, and then right the Red Bulls just Red Bulls got just yeah. They 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 had the trophy ceremony after the match. Yeah. It, yeah. So look, the, the spoiling the party that's just that's just a little bit of fun. World but emotions. It, it, that saved the season for the Red Bulls. And I told myself, you know, Saturday's homecoming here at Fordham. I've been to every home game this year. They're playing the worst team in the league. They're probably already going to be eliminated before that match. I probably I probably won't have to go. I don't need to go have to you, that, Have right? you found any Rebel scenarios how they can clinch the they playoffs? Can, they cannot clinch, um, but they they avoided elimination last night, and I think they can technically be eliminated, but it'd be very unlikely because a lot of teams play each other. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, DC plays New York City, right? We do. Yes. Uh, I, I think I don't know if Chicago plays Montreal, but so there's I'll one give, of those matches. Okay, I'll give you the New York City perspective. We, we were talking about this earlier. So they can't clinch, play Charlotte. Sorry. They can't clinch Saturday, but they can be eliminated. Mm-hmm. If New York City loses and Chicago Fire beats Charlotte, Montreal beats Portland, and then New York City will miss the playoffs. What if the Red do the Red does the Red Bulls result matter for I don't City? Think it matters. Okay. But one thing sorry, obviously we're gonna talk about New York City now. Um DC United I think are officially eliminated from the from the uh, playoffs, mm, oh, I actually know they're not so. el- they're not eliminated, but they can only they only have one match left, so they can only uh, go as high as right. um, forty points. So yeah. NYCFC plays DC. So they would need they would they need, need a lot. Yeah, to they go need right. a lot DC, to go yeah. right. So NYCFC plays DC United in Washington. New York City has to win, obviously, to keep up their uh, playoff hopes. But talking about a season of, they haven't won. <laughs> Remember that whole spell in summer? They had like ten games. Didn't win a game. No. Couldn't score a goal. No, we, we just draw. They just drew. They lost. And somehow, they are in a playoff race. To the, Last week, they were in eighth place. You know. It makes no sense. Like, MLS sometimes, man, they just confuse me. They look at the playoffs and they're like, man, that team wasn't good all year. And they kind of just Let's get, snuck like, yeah. their way to the 
to the final and to the semifinals. You know what we should do? We should expand the playoffs and make right. that and make that happen right. so the teams who are good during the regular season get their progress watered down just a little bit more. Um, which I think is unfair. The, the new format for- is terrible. yeah. The new format for me is okay. Wild card, eighth seed hosts the, ni- uh, the ninth seed. Then there's a round of three of the round one, which is obviously the other teams in, in the conference. I I remember when that news came out of the new format. I was kind of skeptical first of the best of three because since so you're playing a match what every three days or something. You can't play back to back. So for those type of like matches to happen, obviously there's more matches. But I was telling Nick earlier. I think Apple, MLS, and FIFA are going to try and do anything to get Inter Miami to the playoffs. Yeah, of course they are. And if they do, if they get, they can get the ninth seed. And if New York City FC gets the eighth seed, NYCFC hosts Miami here in New York. Well, you know, you know what Apple TV can't do what? is they can't magically heal Lionel Messi. That is true. So if that man is still true. out, I think. As far as we had to talk about that last match, Miami lost four one to Charlotte. Yeah, can, can I toss some Vegas numbers at you guys on oh, playoff odds? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, is it playoff odds or is I, it MLS is cup odds? odds. Because I saw odds. the MLS cup odds, and they is, made me cry. This is playoff okay, odds. We can and talk you're, about, you're we can gonna talk like about this. that too. Uh, we're we're like not gonna this. talk about that. We're talking about this. Okay, let's start <laughs> with the Red Bulls. Let's start with the Red Bulls. Right, yeah, why not? Let's say they finish two and zero. Oh no! Yeah. They have a 97% chance of making the playoffs Pretty if they good. finish 2-0. and Who is your last two and matches against? That is a uh, at home against Toronto, Toronto and then on the road against Nashville. That last match is difficult. The last match is difficult, but who did they just beat on the road last night? That is true. Best team in the league. That is right. true. But they did have some starters on the bench. And if they win both of those games, there's a 50% chance they end up... Uh, uh, forgive or? me, in, in the in the eight seed. Okay. In the eight seed. So they'll be hosting... In the wild card, correct. They do not deserve let's, a home playoff. Game. Let's say they go. Let's say they beat Toronto and draw Nashville. That leaves them at about a forty percent shot of making the playoffs. Correct. Let's say they win against Toronto and lose against Nashville. That's a four percent chance of mm. making the playoffs. So you you got to at least win and draw. You you need both. In the, 80, though, to win. In the, the thing is, you can't like it's two matches left, but you cannot overlook Saturday. Never tell, never tell me the and odds, guys. Look, I don't want to speak it into existence, but the most New York Red Bulls thing of all time in their quest to save this streak of playoff appearances, thirteen. It's the longest active mm-hmm. streak in American sports, and they would break the MLS record to fourteen if they made it next year. It would be the most metro thing of all time if they beat Cincinnati on the road on Wednesday to keep their hopes alive and then lose to the worst team in the league at home on Saturday to eliminate themselves. Is Sean Johnson healthy? No. Uh, look, I'm not worried about Sean Johnson. So. I don't think so. <laughs> I, I am. Look. I'm worried too. <laughs> like, he can turn it on. Listen, 85th minute, Real Madrid versus Man City, 99% City goes through, <laughs> 1% Real Madrid goes through, 1% they got... Anything is possible in this race. Anything is possible. Anything it's is a possible. Beautiful game, it's man. a beautiful game. Shall, so. shall I give the odds for the other sure, side? Sure, go ahead. All right. <laughs> it's not happening, but you want. Yeah, All right. See NYCFC goes 2-0. and Okay. They're guaranteed to make the playoffs. Okay, they can, 100%. They can clinch uh, Eight, wait, on the final match. Is that 8th seed or ninth seed? That if they go 2-0, and they have a 93% chance of the 8th seed. Okay. Next one. If they win and draw... That leaves them at a seventy-one point five percent chance of making the playoffs. And that's the ninth seed, but that is a fifty-six percent chance of it being the ninth seed. And that's going to be it. That's that's more likely. Yeah. 
a win and a loss still leaves them at around a 33% chance of making the playoffs, but that's a guaranteed nine spot if that 33% comes through. Two draws, you're looking at 5%. Very unlikely. Anything worse, and they're out. New York sports, man. Get your New York. No, that's not us. Um, <laughs> someone, got- yeah, you guys. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I still. I still like a week. I like, still don't think a couple they, of weeks ago we just said you know New York City aren't making it, Rebels aren't making it, New York soccer is, is like terrible, and it now is. It's, it still is. No, it is. I know, but like somehow <laughs> we're doing all these calculations, right, to see which team can go to the playoffs, and, and just the overall, and they're not and they're not supposed to. Like it makes no, no sense. The overall for New York City FC, with all of that in mind, is thirty eight point three percent. The overall for New York Red Bulls is eighteen point nine. Yeah, see, the numbers don't look great, but. What a season. I mean, look, Chicago and Montreal are not good teams. They can choke. Uh, Char- Especially look, Chicago. I think, I think Charlotte might be in prime position because you know who they end their season with? They got a game in hand, and they end their season with two back-to-back matches against Inter-Miami. And everybody was saying, Ooh. Charlotte's done. Inter-Miami's going to teal six points off of Charlotte in the last match day, and that's going to be it. But without Messi, Charlotte can really beat them twice in a row. Yeah, insane. Inter-Miami plays Charlotte twice, home and away. In the last in the week last of the season. In the last two matches. Which within within a week of each I other. I swear to God, Apple's God. gonna do Apple is gonna do whatever they yeah. can to get them to the playoffs. Yeah, that's what they like. Well, look, Inter Miami have a uphill battle if they're not with Lionel Messi. I think. I will say though, Montreal did save their season in the 97th minute goal. I think they scored. The yeah, against uh, Houston. Against Houston, which really really hurt the Red Bulls and yeah. and City, uh, especially. Terrible. But. Good for Montreal. Lassie Lapalainen came off the bench and scored. It was, it was a really nice goal, too. So I'll give him credit. Uh, we've got a few more minutes before we transition to our outro. Do the New York Red Bulls make the playoffs? I'm going to still say no. Does New York City FC make the playoffs, Nick? That's not even what I'm worried about, though, because I think that they probably might make the playoffs, and that's fantastic. I want a yes or a no. I'm giving you a yes, but they're losing in the first round okay, because this team has nobody. First round who, or the wild card? In the wild card. Okay. In the wild card because this team has nobody who has performed in the playoffs okay. at any point for this team. <laughs> Alex Callens was huge. Maxime Cheneau? gone. He's gone. Maxime Cheneau, <laughs> he is gone. <laughs> He um, is Tati gone. Castellanos, he is gone. gone. Maxi Morales' ACL exploded. Oh, that leg is gone. Man, that man. leg is gone. They're all gone. And what, are we going to count on Moonsef Bakrar to absolutely yes, carry will. us? Yes, no. we will. He, Honestly, he can score goals. He can score you know goals. He's proven can? that. Yeah. So, no, well, he has, like, what, three goals? Uh, three goals in the league. I, I, he's yeah. been he's, he's scored impressive goals that you weren't getting. Because you're getting, he's an actual striker. That's the only thing. Are you calling Talos Magno not an actual striker? Yes, that's exactly. <laughs> that's what I'm also doing. what I'm saying as yeah. well. I think New York City are gonna barely make the playoffs, and watch might be report when I report that they lose in the playoffs. I'm looking forward to it. Does that mean that they're gonna be the home team then? But that's the thing. Yeah. If they make the eighth seed, and it, you have to go, they have to go two and zero to they're, make. The they're lucky seed. there's no playoff baseball in New York, and then they can actually play. They can in play New in York. New York. Yeah. Because if this was this was last year, and the Yankees and Mets were both in the postseason, and City had to play a home Freaking playoff game at Red Bull Arena or East Hartford, brutal. Connecticut, or you know what? Why not Moglia Stadium? Why at not Jack, Jack Coffee Field? Field? They've done. You know they've done it. You know they've played a home <laughs> oh, game here before. Oh, you, I know. You know they lost. Did they actually? They actually did lose. Check out. Yeah. So it's an FA Cup. Uh, FA Cup. Oh my God. Open Cup. Open game. Cup. Yeah. So FA Cup is. In they're England. barely gonna make it, but like. It's that time of the year when like all the matches are played together well, in the East, mm-hmm. obviously. So it's going to be a crazy watch of the table go up and forth, up and forth. Who's making it last minute goal? 
New York City can't make it. New York City makes it. I hate all my life. Well, look, City City has two very important opponents in their final matches in D.C. and Chicago, who are Correct. both very alive in the race. It'll be D.C.'s final match of the year when they play. Mm. And then the Red Bulls, home against Toronto this weekend, on the road against Nashville on the 21st. This is also going to be very painful because D.C. now finishes their season before the international break, and then a bunch of teams have to come back for just their final or final two matches after the international break. So D.C. United could be in a playoff spot for two weeks, and then on the final day, day of the season lose their spot that'd be hilarious I mean, they would just be sitting there waiting just yeah like training for two weeks to potentially make the playoffs and then only to get eliminated on the last day that would, that should, would be you know terrible should, dc and i should just give the game to new york city at this point. i agree yeah they, they, United's rooney, rooney, come on. you know what that would they would do that just to spite us that's that's why we hate them so much that's why that's why my my least favorite team isn't that one as dc united i wouldn't put it past them i wouldn't put it past those rodents to go ahead and and donate a victory to to the, to the Smurfs. Oh, th- there's 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 a there's <laughs> history behind that insult. By the way, look oh, up no. look up look up the demolition of RFK Stadium and why they had to get rid of it. 20, 2017, the final the final game at RFK. A bunch of Red Bull supporters showed up. Asbestos, asbestos, and rodents. Yeah, rats. They showed up in a in like a raccoon and rat costumes. And the Red Bulls won. I think it was two one, maybe three one in the final game ever at RFK Stadium, which is nice. One of the most historic. Uh, venues in American soccer is DC United's home for 21 years, and now they play at Audi Field, which is a nice stadium, but has uh, also garnered some complaints from away fans. I believe why? I'm not sure why. I think it has something to do with like the distance from the field, but I think that's by design, so that's pretty cool. I'm not sure. I, I, you have to look that up on Audi Field. Um, we've got no more time left. I think, and this is a perfect. I think we just nailed nailed the. Uh, the right. Yeah, okay. I think we're, I think we're good. Do do we want to touch on Fordham men's soccer briefly? Can, w- would you like to do a little? I would like to. Yeah, I think do, maybe do, just give a your minute. Little, yeah, do a little just a final minute. Yeah. A little on, monologue on why I think if you're not paying attention why to NCAA college New soccer, yeah. I think this is the year. Um, look, New York's <laughs> not red. New York's not blue. It's maroon. Wow. All right. Love it. You know why? Why? And that's because the Fordham men's soccer, the Rams are here, and okay. they're running through the A-10, the with the exception yeah. of St. Louis. And we are second in the A-10 right now. Right now, we just passed the halfway point of the season. They've got three conference matches left before the tournament. There's a good chance that they're going to be hosting a match. That's a great opportunity to be one of the best teams in the country at N-Sports. That's not something Fordham does a lot. Okay. All right, We're 24th in the country, and we're here to stay because we got a big game against Rhode Island this weekend. If they win that, they're going to go into next week against Hofstra, who are 16, and they're going to be bumped up from 24. That's going to be a pretty big game, uh, Tuesday, uh, October the 10th on MSG and ESPN+. Plus. Two nationally ranked teams in New York. That's going to be the battle we're all waiting for. Uh, the Fordham Rams, led by Timo Umrik and Florian Deletioglu, both on six goals on the year, I think are going to show up both this weekend against URI and then on Tuesday against Hofstra. And we're really going to start uh, getting some looks as a proper soccer school once again. We're going to go back to the tournament. We're going to win the A-10. We're going to do it all. It's the postseason. What do you say? It's go Rams. Home. Go Rams. New York is maroon. All right. For Gino Alva, for Nick Palmer, this oi, has oi. been FUVFC. Thank you guys for joining us back in studio once again. We'll be back next week to more soccer talk. But for now, FUVFC is a production of WFUV Sports. Thank you for joining us. <laughs>